morning, everybody. It's uh, good to good to be with you. Glad to have everybody here today. Um, wanted to uh, share a bit with you about my my thoughts on the the scripture passage for today. When I saw it as uh, the scripture to be discussed, I was immediately reminded of. Um, of a, an article series that was written by uh, Dennis Hack, um, who was an author that contributed to Relevant Magazine. Him and his wife um, just like really dive into looking at culture and our engagement with culture and a f- a faith's engagement with culture. Um, Hack probably isn't the best last name for someone trying to be considered as a serious writer, but he, uh, him and his wife are, are uh, brilliant, brilliant writers. and. Uh, uh, the article series that specifically spoke to this passage is something that has been incredibly helpful for me, informative. So I'm going to lean pretty heavy on that article today um, as I, as I um, share. Um, and if anyone is interested in looking at any of the, that article series, I'd be glad to share that with you. Um, it, uh, I think we even as a small group or maybe a Sunday school class might have discussed this years, uh, years and years ago. So um, uh, that being said, um, you know, Differences and division. Um, do our differences need to divide us, right? Um, do, does it need to lead to our division? Um, you know, it's often said, and, and it's a very, very true statement, that, you know, when you say yes to something, uh, that means you're saying no to something. Uh, you know, that our yeses also mean a no to make space for the yes, right? And that, that's really... I, it's a very, very good thing to, to remember as we say yes. Um, but uh, I, often, though, when we say yes to uh, adopting maybe beliefs, um, we can often fall prey uh, to the distrust uh, or even the disdain of uh, beliefs that differ from what we've just adopted. Um, and so I would say sometimes that, that that no that comes with the yes can sometimes lead to our, our, our judgment um, in unhealthy ways. Uh, especially when that distrust or disdain uh, gets then attached to the people that holds those beliefs, right? That, that is where it can become dangerous. Many of us have grown up in faith cultures that has set our faith up as an us versus them sort of paradigm. Um, and, uh, you know, statements like, well, that's, that's not the way we do things, you know, that, that kind of a thing. And, um, and, and what that leads to is the, 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 the desire underneath that is that, hey, like, this is the way I uh, look at things, uh, that, that I look differently. Um, and, but sometimes how we end up communicating it is, is then that that is not worth looking at or that is not worth uh, trusting or it's dangerous or and, and sometimes that can be true uh, I'm not saying that that's never true but um, it can create a sense of superiority uh, towards other ways of thinking and I think that's where maybe it can be a little bit dangerous um, it never it never sat right with me uh, J- Jesus was someone who I always um, got maybe that 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 sounds a little haughty but like um but like that that jesus the understanding of jesus was the the thing that drew me to faith okay um even all the other parts of of scripture that don't really line up with who i understand jesus to be 
like Jesus, I understood. And I feel like, you know, there's so much of the Bible, these four sort of like eyewitness accounts of, um, of, of who Jesus was, like just lends tons of credibility to this, this God in flesh that walked the earth, died and was resurrected. Like it's really hard for me to, to deny that, even like the historical um, validity of, of that. Um, but, you know, in thinking of who Jesus was, um, and, and yeah, he got snarky often uh, with uh, the leaders, right, uh, religious leaders. But um, I, I always, it's something just never sat right with me. If I would listen to uh, Christian radio or, or some thing, and I would, I would see or hear people making fun of people that weren't Christian or, or, the peop- or Christians that didn't think like they did. Like, that just never made sense to me. And I'm not saying I've never been guilty of that. I have. But yet, but yet there's something about, like, making fun of people and creating this us versus them thing, right, that, that, that rallies a crowd, that draw, draws people to, like, we're special, we're exceptional, um, and they aren't. Uh, and I think that, that those are the things that just never made sense to me. Um, like, why are why are Christians doing this? Like this, this does not align with who I understand Jesus to be um, and who I think God wants us to, to be. Um, in the Acts passage, uh, Paul finds himself among, amongst a people who did not share his beliefs and values, like at all. And, um, and Dennis uh, Hack asked this question uh, to, to the reader, um, is, is, was Paul offended? Was, was Paul really offended by this? You know, a lot, a lot in the world today can offend us, uh, offend our sensibilities. And, um, you know, when you look at the city of Athens, it was, li- it was just packed with idols to other gods. Um, some, some people even referred to Athens as one gigantic altar, like one uh, gigantic just place of worship to all of these gods. It was like every, more than every street corner, just like everywhere you could, you could find altars to all these gods. And when you look at the word distressed, um, other, other uh, um, versions uh, interpreted as um, his spirit was provoked within him. He was exasperated. He was strongly moved or deeply troubled or exasperated beyond endurance, okay? Um, So was Paul's distress comparable to how many today take offense to things? Because when we look across society, we see a lot of people being offended by others and and, and how that begins to divide us uh, in our being offended. so as we ask that question and look at some of Dennis's thoughts on it, let's, uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you today knowing that each person around us, uh, not, not just in this room, but um, in our lives, is created in your image. And yet, uh, as a society, um, in our in the greater church, in, in our, our, our friendship circles, in our families, we find ourselves divided. Um, hold us tightly. May your presence calm our fears and give us the confidence to fully be present wherever we find ourselves. Amen.
So Paul's distress and today's offense, um, or the difference, uh, led Paul to engage. The first thing that I want to point out, and that Dennis points out in this article, is that his offense, uh, or his distress, led him to engage the culture of Athens. Often our offense leads us to withdrawal. I was listening to, um, I think it was on NPR, anyway, they were interviewing this, this uh, person who was taking a look at, you know, just society and some of the things that are happening to us. And, you know, they, they referenced the fact that with, you know, the internet and, of course, all the social media stuff that we can access, um, it, it gives us this impression that we are more connected. You know, we talk about the world being smaller because we just have access to so many things and people. Um, and uh, the, the, this person that was being interviewed said that while, like, I understand why that's the perception, what we've actually, what we actually have is a less connected world. We have a more isolated world. Um, and uh, that, in the, because we're not necessarily connecting in person with people. Um, and it, it can lead to actually create lots of isolation and loneliness. Um, and isolation and loneliness then sets us up for like staying in that kind of echo chamber or uh, only listening to the voices that we want to hear um, and can lead to some extremist thinking. You know, if you just, if you continue to just listen to what you want to hear, it just drives you deeper and deeper into that. And then we add everything that COVID's done in our society over the last couple years and, and we can easily end up in those echo chambers, uh, isolated and increasingly offended, and willing to dehumanize those who offend us. And then we end up with situations like what happened in Buffalo yesterday. You know, someone who has, you know, I, 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 I'm not going to act like I know the whole deal, but like it will not surprise me if, if the person who did this ended up in internet chat rooms, feeding themselves, being in that echo chamber, um, not being surrounded by people who may have been like-minded, but still would have checked uh, a decision to take life. Uh, and I think that is something that, that I think our isolation and our loneliness feeds this, this trend towards even extremist thinking. Um, as I said, you know, Jesus is someone who always made sense to me. Um, when our offense causes us to withdraw from people, um, it, and, and even withdraw from the surrounding culture, uh, we're not only distancing ourselves from the example Paul gives us in this passage, but we're also distancing ourselves from the example Christ gives us. Um, the incarnation represents the greatest and most startling immersion into a, into a fallen world that can, that can be imagined. Um, when God took on flesh in the form of Jesus, he also took on human relationships, he took on society, he took on culture. He immersed himself in the surrounding culture, a fallen culture, fallen world. Paul studied the altars, he studied the writers of the day. He was willing to engage, which leads into the second point that, that Hack makes in this article, is that being offended by the behavior and or culture makes it difficult for us to creatively engage those that we differ with. Um, Paul's distress moved him to, to uh, it, 
Paul's distress moved him to find points of contact and agreement um, in a culture that was very, very different than his own. Um, as I said, he explored the idols. He explored uh, the altars. He explored the writers. He said, I see that you are a deeply spiritual people. 17, uh, in, uh, in verse 28, um, he actually quotes uh, a, a Greek poet. Um, and it was actually a, uh, a section that was giving praise to Zeus for things, right? God is not far from each one of us, he told the Athenians. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. What is striking here, and this is, this is uh, Hack's words, um, is that though Paul quoted Erastus approvingly, uh, agreeing with him, Erastus was clearly referring to Zeus, as I said. Uh, think about it. Paul's approach was creative and for that reason amazingly powerful. The artifacts uh, and ideas of his audience's uh, pagan culture and religion was creatively misapplied by Paul to the truth uh, concerning Jesus. Uh, many of you are familiar with uh, Ron Flack's Bring Your Song uh, thing. Uh, a number of uh, years ago, back when I was the youth pastor here, um, we did this, uh, I forget how many weeks we did it, but we did a, a kind of a Bring Your Song, not one that you wrote, but it was, hey, bring a song to uh, Sunday school that uh, you connect with deeply and, and, and love and uh, preferred secular, okay? Um, and and let's, let's take a look at it. Uh, now, I did say I need to read it all first, but, you know, like, but we'll engage it. Like, we're not, we're, we're going to, we're engage this. And, and my point was this, like, we are going to uncover longings. We are going to uncover desires. We are going to un- uncover stories within these uh, pieces of music that are gonna like help you understand like the the longing and the desire of the of the author. Um, you know, as any time an artist creates a work, it says something about the creator. Like you can understand the creator by looking at the created, right? And, and like that's something we need to recognize as we talk about being offended in, in, in our world today. Like as we interact with people, we can understand the creator by the people that we're interacting with. And that's a really important, uh, that's a really important thing for us to remember in, as we engage people that we are offended by. Um, but, you know, you, you look at, at stories and you look at any, or any, any novel or or the Bible, or even your own life, right? It's stories, you know, what are the things that you are moved by? What are the desires? Uh, it's stories of grief, of love, of, of connection, of anger and justice, of compassion. Like, these are the things that, that, can, that, that we find everywhere, uh, whether it's in the songs or literature or the Bible or our own storytelling of our own lives. Um, these are opportunities for us to creatively connect with people. It's the subversive nature of this engagement by Paul that lends it its power. An assumption of their worldview and life, that we are Zeus's offspring, uh, was suddenly revealed as untrue, not via challenge, not via argument, not via debate, but through agreement. 
so that what was simply obvious to them was assigned a radical new meaning. Not Zeus, but God who raised Jesus from the dead. Paul was willing to agree with the Stoic poet, even though Erastus was writing about Zeus. Are we, and so my question is this, are we willing to identify with what we would say would maybe be uh, extreme voices uh, in our culture, like the pastors, like Nadia Boltz-Weber on the liberal end, or Franklin Graham on the conservative end. Like, are we willing to say there are things they're saying that we agree with, or, or our civic leaders, like Donald Trump or, or Joe Biden, like who have used scripture to like talk about their approaches to things in ways that we can argue twist things sometimes, right? But like, can we, can we say that there are things going on there that we, as kingdom people, we agree with, um, even though not the whole. Like, I, think, I think if we're not willing to do that, that's where things become this cutoff type of, of understanding that like, we can have nothing to do, do with people. And our offense leads us to separation and division. Can we, in the midst of our disagreeing, say, as a kingdom person, I can agree on that. Or point out parts of our own beliefs that others can buy out to as a point of agreement for, for us to build on together to move forward on, right? Uh, lastly, uh, Dennis points out in his article that Paul's distress was a God-centered, uh, like the, 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 the motivation was a God-centered approach, uh, while the offense felt by many in society is more of a self-centered approach. Um, I've, I think I've shared this story before. I was in high school, underclassmen, uh, trying to stand my ground, arguing with a senior about something in the middle of Bible class. We were passing, actually passing notes back and forth because we were, we'd been arguing for a long time about this one thing. And he finally sent me, the, his, his, his response was, Darren, would you just stop trying to be right? Would you, would you just, like, engage the issue here? And um, oh, that caught me off guard, and I was like, ah, yeah. So is our offense, is it something that we are using to drive people to point them towards Jesus, or is it about pointing them maybe to ourselves, to our, our desire to be right? And um, I think that's a, it's a constant struggle for me. I think it's a constant struggle for, I think, many of us when we get into arguments. And so, like, how can we sort of remind ourselves like that this is the point of our um, engagement. Um, that in this, it, it, I think Dennis in his article mentioned that his motivation was driven by a jealousy uh, or, or like a, a jealous energy to, to, for, for God to be understood. Um, and like, so like, are, are we driven by this idea that, that, you know, like how can we help and connect in ways that helps God to be understood, to helps Jesus to be understood. Um, yesterday, we had a lot of fun working at the Habitat Worksite. Um, it was uh, it, it was just a good time, uh, just being together. Uh, it, in the middle of the morning, uh, we broke for a break, and um, Courtney Brown shared a little devotional with our group. And in it, she uh, mentioned, uh, well, 
I'll say this, uh, part of this series, like even though uh, sort of what we're looking at here uh, might be more about how do we look at and maybe are offended by, by, uh, by people who aren't Christians uh, or by, by society in general, like Sean is going to be taking a look at um, a lot of like the divisions maybe within the church in the rest of the series. But um, I would say that unfortunately a lot of times in the church we get offended by other Christians and want to write them off as no longer being Christians because of what they believe. And I think that's really dangerous. Um, and, um, you know, there's, there's a concept that God, God can be found in our differences. And I think, I, I think there's, uh, there's something to that, especially when we think about what does it mean to um, understand that everyone is created in the image of God, right? God can be found in our differences. Uh, Courtney, in her devotion yesterday, um, was, was talking about, like, the, the ministry of habitat and that kind of thing. And then she said that she said something about our theology is in the hammer. And I thought, ooh, I like that. Because she didn't say her th theology is a hammer, right? Which, which I think is a lot of what we've been talking about, this thing that we need to fight against, that our theology is not a hammer. It is in the hammer. And when I hear that phrase, I'm not sure exactly what she meant by it, but what I took from it is that, is that our theology is in the work of the hammer. Um, and, and so if you look at Palmer Becker's, we have those three uh, boards downstairs, and uh, we have this concept that reconciliation is the center of our work. And I think that's really important for us as Anabaptists, but as Christians, to think about what does it mean for our theology to be in the hammer? Like, to be in the work of the kingdom, like finding connections, finding places of common ground to move forward on, right? And when we can do that, and we, when we can place our theology in the hammer, um, not just building houses, but like, but in the work of reconciliation, like this, this is where we can connect and build common ground with people, um, so that we aren't trapped into this sort of, you know, binary all or nothing approach to what separates us. Um, so, and it allows us to join together with people, and this is, this is my challenge for you as, as I uh, end here, is that, you know, how, how can we find ways of connecting with those that differ from us? How can we find the common ground um, uh, with people that come out on things maybe really, really differently than we do? Um, and can we see, can we seek out the kingdom values that are present in the beliefs and the values of those? differ from us. It's a challenge. It's difficult. It's, it's, it's not easy. It's very uncomfortable, actually. It actually makes you feel like you're giving up <laughs> something that you believe in when you do this. Um, but really, uh, you are, you're sacrificing maybe this identity as being right for saying, hey, you know, we might disagree about this, but like as a kingdom person, this is something I know we can agree on and build on and hopefully understand each other a little bit better on. So, amen. <laughs>